a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey friends, welcome to season two of the Stronger Marriage Connection podcast. We're back and we're glad you're back with us. And Dr. Bill Doherty is back from season one by popular demand to share how we can all become marital first responders. Now, research suggests that many couples with marital struggles don't turn to a therapist first. Who do they tend to turn to? Their friends and family. So today, Dr. Doherty will explain some helpful ways to respond when others bring up their marital struggles, and even a few things that are unhelpful to say as well. Our guest, Dr. Bill Doherty, is a professor in the Department of Family Social Science at the University of Minnesota. A longtime marriage and family therapist, he's an expert on challenges couples face, on navigating marital crisis and avoiding divorce, and on using family rituals to enhance the quality of family life. He's the founder of Marital First Responders Boot Camp Training, the author of several books, and just an all-around incredible person. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Stronger Marriage Connection. I'm Dr. Liz Hale, clinical psychologist, along with my friend, Dr. Dave Schramm, the professor of all. And we are dedicating our life's work to bringing you the best we have in valid marital research, along with a few tips and tools to help you create the marriage of your dreams. All right, Dave, let me ask you this question. Are you there? Ah, yeah, there you are. When people are worried or upset about their marriage, who are they going to turn to first? Right? Mm-hmm. Who do they turn to? A marriage professional or a personal friend? Oh, a family man. Member? It's going to be friend almost all the time. I hope that's what, <laughs> at least my case. Research shows you're so right that there are millions of these natural confidence people who others trust with their marital concerns. But who helps these confidants become more confident in their role of marital first responder, we call them? Well, the answer to that is our own Dr. Bill Doherty. He's the founder of Marital First Responders Boot Camp Training and one of our nation's top marriage scholars and therapists. Welcome back by popular demand, Bill, to Stronger Marriage Connection. Great to be with you again. Thank you for coming back with us. Now, not everyone with a marital problem turns to a marriage therapist, do they? Where does this idea of marital first responders come from, please? Well, it actually, the idea um, came to me after learning about something called mental health first aid uh, training, which started in Australia some years ago. And the idea was that when somebody's having a personal mental health crisis, uh, who, the people in their family, their neighbors, their friends um, are often the first person who knows about it. Uh, and then, um, but they often don't know what to do. And sometimes they make it worse. 
Yes. And and so uh, they, they set up a, a training for uh, people to be able to respond constructively when a, a loved one, a coworker, a neighbor is having a mental health crisis. And uh, I learned about it and I watched some of the training and I thought, whoa, we ought to be doing this for marriage you know, relationship issues. Uh, and I looked at the research and research was kind of old, but it suggested that people turn to their, their, their friends and family members. So I decided to really get into it and, and make some research on it and develop a program. Ah, good for you. Now, these are not about the professional conversations, are they? The paid conversations. These are the raw and the real everyday verbiage we're already having with our families and friends. Is that right? That's right. It's um, it's what happens over coffee, on the telephone. It's what uh, happens after you say, so how are you doing? <laughs> you know, what are you up to? Um, it happens off the cuff when somebody, um, you're out for a walk with a friend and they register this complaint about what their spouse is like, you know, at Thanksgiving with the in-laws uh, and they go, it drives me crazy. Uh, and um, mm, so what do you do then? Uh, yeah. Yeah, what do you do? Great question. That's yeah. Come in. <laughs> I think that, and this is, you know, something that we all want to be helpful. We want to have a listening ear, but perhaps we don't know what to say or, or how to respond or react to this. I think a lot of us struggle in being effective and, and supportive. And what's my role in this? Can you help us understand kind of the first important step um, in being an effective marital first responder? Yeah, the most important thing is, you know, be a, a good friend to that person, but also to their marriage. Okay, and so, uh, so what is a good friend? A good friend listens, has empathy, um, uh, it doesn't rush in with with advice. But when I say a friend or empathic to the marriage, it's um, don't just jump to take your your friend's side. In, when they're talking about a struggle with their spouse. And that, cause that's what's tempting. Now, if somebody complains about their boss, a lot of us would go, oh man, bosses, or I have one like that too. And, and we just sort of, okay, maybe, maybe that's not an optimal response, but that's what we do. Okay. Um, but, um, but with their, their spouse, their marriage partner, that's a really important relationship. And, and we ought to be, um, so we teach, for example, how to be empathic to that was boy, that sounded like a hard conversation. That was really, very really difficult. I'm sorry you went through that as opposed to what a jerk. Why did he say that to you? OK, that, that's that moving into side taking before we have much information. Mm-hmm. OK, that's great. The numbers are really high, aren't they? You report something about 73% of American adults have been a confident about problems in someone's marriage. That is so quite marriage a big... marriage close relationship. Sometimes it's a, you know, it's a serious dating relationship. Something, you know, it's, but, you know, a committed relationship. So just to be clear there, yeah. Yeah, I think that's, thank you for that clarification. That is very high. So no wonder we feel a little bit overwhelmed. This is quite a big responsibility of what to say and what not to say, and I've made some of these mistakes, even though I'm a marriage therapist, you're, you're not in marriage therapy, right? So besides being a good friend, uh, what are some of the other do's and, and don'ts, would you say, Bill? Well, um, when you um, offer a perspective, maybe you share an experience, um, you know, do so with humility, uh, without, without direct advice giving. You should rarely give direct advice. But, you know, share 
this is when, when my spouse and I face this, this, this is what helped us. That would be the positive thing. Share your experience, but be cautious about saying, well, I think what you ought to do is sit him down or sit her down and tell them blah, blah, blah. Um, that would be, that would generally be a mistake because you don't, you don't, you're not inside that relationship. And to keep in mind, you're getting one side of the story always. It's usually self-serving side of the story. And even if the other person did something that seems really outrageous, um, um, I'm not talking about abusive, but just like, whoa, where did that come from? There's often a backstory that you're not hearing. You know, that... Uh, yeah, he, he put down my mother, blah, 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 blah. And, and she's not telling you that five minutes earlier, she put down his mother. Okay, she's not saying that because what she said was accurate. Whereas what her husband said was just, you know, terrible, right? And so you just, if you just jump in, uh, the isn't it awful response, <clears throat> which can come out of us, um, isn't very helpful. So it's about being mindful. Um, and uh, if you're going to offer a perspective, share your experience. Mm -hmm. Your own. I yeah. love that. Okay. So be a good friend and be vulnerable enough to say, well, here's what happened in, in my marriage. This is in case it might be useful yeah. to you. Love yeah, those two. That's great, Bill. So, and, and I have a little story about that if I could. Yes. Uh, somebody told me um, after one of the, our workshops that, um, that she had a friend, a good friend, who um, found out on a Monday that her husband had had an affair. He confessed it. Um, on Tuesday, of course, she was devastated. On Tuesday, she made an appointment with a lawyer, and and Wednesday she was going to have you know start to start the process of divorce. And the woman who took the workshop shared the story that she she sat down with her friend and said, you know, I've never told you about this, and it's something I'm really uh, embarrassed about. But some years ago, I had an affair on you know, or my husband, who, who the woman knew, um, uh, you know, what going to all, all was going on in my life, but it was a, you know, terrible thing. Um, and we worked it out and we got help and, you know, and we have a really good marriage. Well, that's, that's brave. The woman canceled the appointment with the lawyer. God help. Wow. That was yeah. bold, wasn't it? Bold yeah. and yeah. brave and gave me goosebumps. Yeah. All yep. from that conversation. And so they can, they, we can be an influence, family, friends. And so you're saying, I mean, have compassion, be mindful. Don't jump in with too much advice. Don't take sides. Bill, are there other tips or do's or don'ts um, when someone approaches them and, and say, man, I'm really struggling? Well, another is to just use your life experience, your wisdom about relationships. So, you know, maybe maybe they're complaining about something you haven't experienced yourself. But I'll give you an example. So from the other end of the continuum, I just described one that was really risky, a bold move. <clears throat> so my, my wife, who is a natural confidant, she was describing being at a quilt retreat with a lot of other women. <clears throat> one woman was complaining nonstop about her husband won't eat vegetables. And, uh, you know, and just blah, blah, blah. And she has to cook around them and cook them for herself. She's just, you know, on and on and on. And my wife said, so how long have you been married to this man who won't eat vegetables? Well, 35 years. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, you know, and at another point, another year, somebody was complaining 
about her, her marriage and something. And my wife said, that sounds like marriage to me. So what, what that one was a normalizing intervention, okay, delivered with some lightness, with some experience. Um, and so, so, cause part of what happens, people don't realize that other people have the same problems they do. That's what's so great about your show. You know, <laughs> it's, it's people, oh, other people experience that. Whereas with child rearing, most of us get the, the collective culture wisdom that toddlers are tough. Okay. Uh, they're going to say no. They're going to be difficult. You know, four-year-olds will have these tantrums. You know, teenagers will stop talking to you a lot. Of I mean, we sort of get that. Okay. So when we complain about our kids or, about, you know, people don't say, oh, man, that's really, your child is like that. Uh, they usually go, yep. Sounds <laughs> familiar. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And can you see how that helps? So yeah. comforting. It's right? comforting. Not alone, yes. But with our marriages, we have this much more the zone of privacy, and people don't know that other people experience the same yeah. things. Bill, you mentioned a few of those. Um, are there other themes? Are there you know, common ones, common com complaints that uh, that you hear frequently um, that you know a, a partners going to to share with the family member or friend? Do you see the kind of themes that emerge? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, our research, we ask people what, what, what people bring up to them. And that uh, top one was growing apart, a difficulty communicating together. Uh, you'll like this one, spouses' annoying habits. Okay. Um, yeah. uh, and um, uh, how, how the spouse spends money. Uh, and then, you know, in the top five was thinking about divorce. You know, the, the research shows that one out of four married people ages 25 to 59 in any at any given time are giving thoughts to divorce. It's pretty, pretty common. So those are those are some of the, the top five. Now, in the workshop, so we when we, we teach people the skills, we have them practice around what John Gottman and his colleagues have found are two, some, two of the most common complaints that happen in marriage. Um, and, and so we have people actually practice a friend of the same sex offering this complaint. So the, the wife is complaining that her husband doesn't participate enough, you know, leaves things to her to do and, and it isn't very open with her. So he doesn't show up emotionally and he's not working, doing, not participating enough in the, in the work of the, of the family. Okay, very common. And then the, 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 the men pair up and they practice the skills on the complaint that um, I, I can never do every, I can never do anything right. She complains about me all the time. And so those are very, very common. Okay. And so when we have people, we teach skills of listening, empathy, affirming, offering perspective, we have them kind of role play those common responses. And then we teach them how to listen, affirm, and, and offer perspective on those. And then at the, the last part of the workshop, we introduce the fourth skill, and that is challenge. That occasionally, occasionally, a friend needs to challenge somebody. So in the last scenario, 
has now gotten a little more complicated because your friend is now mentioning that they love having cappuccinos in the afternoon with this person who accepts them as they are. You know, they're having a kind of an emotional affair, the beginning one, which they don't tell their spouse who they're having cappuccino with. So now your friend is getting into dangerous territory. And so how would you speak up at that point? So that, that's some of the yeah. examples of what we do in the, in the training yeah. workshop. And you teach us how to speak up, right? And be a good mm-hmm. friend. That's right. With, without That's right. offending, without pushing that person away. Exactly. So an example of a technique, just as I said, for the perspective skill, um, we talk about leap, see, listen, um, empathize, affirm, and offer perspective, leap. And then the last one is see, challenge, leap, see. So an example with challenge, you, know, you don't say, well, you shouldn't be doing that. You're going to be messing up your marriage. You, you could say, you know, I'm kind of worried about you right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just worried that you're getting into something there in that relationship that you're you're going to regret. Can you see you can do that with softly um, that that calls on your friendship? Leap, listen, empathy, listen, empathize, affirm and offer perspective. So those are the core skills. Leap, listen, empathize, affirm, offer perspective. Uh, and then occasionally for something really serious, see which would be challenge. And a lot of the challenge would be you say what you're worried about. And then we talk in the workshop about how do you encourage somebody to get help? OK, because a big part of, of mental health first aid is is the person in a psychological crisis of, of getting them to talk to their doctor to, you know, maybe go to the ER or something. Uh, and so how do you. How do you um, bring up the idea of getting help? And so if you've ever gotten help yourself in any way, you mention it as part of it. I found that healthy, you talk to a pastor, you could talk to a counselor, whatever. Um, but how do you, and then, and then the last thing I'll say is that sometimes what happens is natural confidants get burdened by, by somebody just dumping on them all the time. You know, the chronic marital problem and you've, you know, you've done your best, you've done your perspective, and you're still getting the complaints about the guy won't eat the vegetables, or he never shows up, or he doesn't do this, or blah, blah, blah. Uh, or, you know, she, she still won't have sex with me more than blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, and you've done your best, and you're kind of wearing out. And you've sort of, you've suggested maybe they talk to a professional. So we have some skills for how to gracefully resign from being their marital first responder. Nice. We'll be right back after this brief message. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? 
in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. And we're back. Let's dive right in. Grace is the operative word there. It is nice to know that there is kind of a way out. You know, it happens even in uh, marriage therapy where a couple will go on and then I'll keep hearing from one of them, you know, via text, kind Mm. of the rants and the raves. It's really hard to know how to respond, how to be effective and how to open the door of like, gosh, maybe it's time for another session. (laughs) That happens personally and professionally. Absolutely. Um, And one of the one of the things that can happen with a, a, a marital first responder or a therapist, so I'm glad you brought that up, is that we can get tired of the complaint. And so we can suggest they end their relationship. So just think about somebody who is chronically unhappy and they're maybe I should leave. And you've done your best. I mean, you're in there with me, you care, but you're getting worn down. It's really tempting either for a friend or a therapist to say, I don't know why you're staying. Why don't you just leave? I have a good lawyer, I know. And basically what you're saying is take me out of my misery. I'm tired of this. By divorcing. (laughs) It's better to be able to protect your boundaries rather than out of frustration um, uh, suggesting something as ominous as a divorce. Yeah. Oh, boy. And a lot of family members, they give that advice to my clients. Because yes. they are so um, so tired of feeling the worry for their loved one. Right. 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 Let's just call it and make us all feel better. <laughs> well, here's another but, tip, tip yes, is that please. somebody might say they have ended the relationship. Maybe, maybe they're engaged and they're calling it off or they're married and they just said, we're ending it. That's a treacherous moment for a, a marital first responder, for a confidant. Resist the temptation to say, we never thought you should have married him to begin with. None of us ever liked him. Or your girlfriend, we thought you should have ditched her a long time ago. You know, blah. Well, because what we know from the research is that people bounce back again. Okay, <laughs> that, that divorce and breaking up is on again and off again. Oh, and so we have, there's some, in the workshop, we ask people to share stories of, of when things didn't go well as a marital first responder. And some people have those stories, you know, where, where you, you can't take it back. Uh, so I had a friend uh, and a colleague years ago, most of us loved her husband, just, I mean, loved her. She's just the sweetest, most wonderful person. Her husband, a bit on the arrogant side, if I could say it gently, he was a difficult man. And so she came to work one day, we worked together and she came into my office and said, well, it's over. I've decided to leave him and, blah, blah, blah. And I, I, you know, I'm so sorry. And I know they had gotten help. And, you know, I just, well, everybody else took that as an opportunity to say what they really thought of her husband. Well, <laughs> they've been married for 65 years now. Oh, my. Okay? They, bounced, they bounced back from that. And, but you can't take it back. And I just, something said to me, Bill, you don't have to, this is a moment to be with her now. Do not say what you think of her husband. And I was one of her few friends that did not use that as an opportunity to say what they yeah. thought of him. Yeah, I'm glad. Wow. So that hurts your friendship. It, it, it undermines their relationship. And it's what we call it in the workshop. It's a lot of fun in the workshop. We call it an unforced error, like in tennis, an unforced error. 
You did not have to say that about their spouse. Did not have to say it. That's so good. Even even when someone's complaining about their partner, but they haven't left or anything, it's so tempting to say one of those lines that you use, like "What a jerk!" Right? Or "What yes, a jerk!" That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and so again, duct tape and right. that and empathy. That sounds yeah. painful. And I hear you. Yeah, you can have empathy for somebody's feelings without agreeing with their perspective. Oh, so key. This is something I teach therapists as well. When you're individual therapy, you can say. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry what happened at Thanksgiving when, you know, you, you, you felt so undermined by your spouse, you know, in front of the family. And, you know, I said you felt undermined. I, I didn't say that's what the person did. OK, that he, that he you, why he would say that in front of his family is beyond me. <laughs> okay. That's unnecessary. Unnecessary to do. And partly it's it's the. Humility to know I don't have the whole context here. I don't have the context. I'm getting a piece of this. There's no reason I can be fully supportive and empathic without buying their perspective. So it's like what we know about feelings. Somebody is sharing a genuine feeling. Stick with the feelings and don't, oh, this is another one. Don't go into detective mode and want every detail. So what did exactly did he say? Oh, your mother-in-law said that first. Well, what? And then, what, you know, was that during dessert? You know, I'm mean, going to like, give me the whole, you're, you're not the therapist. You're not their doctor looking at the symptoms. But don't get into, so what we say is when you listen, listen for feelings, not the details of the story. Okay, they'll tell you some details. That's fine. But the you're being supportive to your friend here. You don't need to know exactly what happened at every step. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's really why. Very good. So Bill, have we, have we discussed in the top areas of focus that we need to pay attention to as helpers and confidants? Were there any, anything we missed maybe just in the, the top areas that you teach these confidants? Yeah, I, I guess the other thing I'd add is that if you believe in marriage, you believe it's really important for people, for our world um, you can be a friend to somebody's marriage as well as to them themselves. And you can try to cut some slack to their spouse, even when your friend is upset with them. You can try to imagine that maybe your friend is not the always the easiest person to be married to because none of us are. I mean, my, my line is that every spouse is a difficult spouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well said. <laughs> okay. And so we can come at this with compassion and with a care, not just for our friend or family member, but for, for their marriage, their family. Uh, and and that, that's an important contribution we can make. I'm going to put that up on my whiteboard in my office. Every spouse is a difficult spouse. Did I get that right? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's humbling, isn't it? And so true. You know, often our family and friends um, seeking help will ask point blank to us, their confidence, what would you do? And you warn us not to fall into that trap. What, what's the best answer to the yeah, question? What, thank you. what would you do, Bill? Yeah. So that's something we cover in the workshop. Don't, for really important things, particularly, um, don't fall into the trap. Should I leave him? Should I leave her? You know, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's a big one. What would you do? If your spouse, you know, cheated on you or whatever, don't, don't go there. 
But just like, say, I don't know. Yeah, I, don't know. I mean, yeah, this this is yeah, this is uh, something for you, you know, for you to figure out. I'm happy to be here for you. Don't don't go there. And here's the analogy we use, particularly around big things like divorce, because people are they're floundering around. Um, if somebody said, "Do you think we should have another baby?" Would you say yes? <laughs> Would you say no? Not if you're at all smart. You're not going to be either raising that baby or feeling badly you did not have that baby, right? We would never do that with a big decision like that. But people will do it all the time when it comes to divorce. And they say these things that are, if my spouse, my wife cheated on me, I would be, she'd be out the door. I'd be out the door. Well, okay, big bluster, buddy. You have no idea how you would actually respond. Yeah. When it actually comes down to it, that's yeah. so true. Really helpful. Bill, I have, I have to ask you this. This one came to my mind. Uh, maybe it's kind of a couple of questions ago. So I'm bringing this one back up because I, I envision or I hear sometimes from others about these gripe sessions, right? And so these, you know, these, these wives kind of get together or it could be husbands either and they start complaining and then they kind of, it feels like this, just this gripe complaint session. And, oh, you know, and then they kind of start teasing, just bantering or a wife bashing session. What do you suggest to those who, are, you know, there's listeners, either those who are bringing it up or those in that situation and it just feels kind of uncomfortable because it's this um, unloading on husbands, you know, season and everyone's kind of laughing about it, but then it kind of goes too far. Thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Um, um, the first is don't participate in it. Because in norms of reciprocity, of self-disclosure, there is this expectation that if somebody complains, women, I think, do this even more than men. Um, when your friend or in a one-to-one -one or in a group, somebody does a complaint, then you feel like if somebody says, oh, I'm tired or whatever, yeah, yeah, I get tired too, right? And so there's this temptation to join in with the complaints. And then it moves up to the level of everybody of that unfortunate gender. Okay. Um, and um, and you've, so the first thing is to not, not participate. Just if you have to, just be silent. Uh, and then the second one is to, is to, we don't teach this in the course. So this is, I'm, I'm giving stuff to be beyond what I actually have taught anybody. But the second one would be to try to normalize something if, if it is normal. Um, like I sometimes I've said, said to, to, to women, well, you, you didn't marry or not, your, your um, best woman friend, did you? Okay, she married a guy who doesn't relate to her like that. Um, and, um, and, and then a little humor, like in a group, just say, well, as I look around here, I don't actually see the, I don't see many husbands of the year awardees, including me. Okay. Nice. Um, so a little humor deflected um, be, because it is ultimately, your point is a really important one. It ultimately is corrosive. If that goes on or not, how many women, for example, and Liz, how many women will be in a group and say, I've, my husband is like another child in the family. Okay. Right. And everybody then laughs. Right. And they raise their hands. And I believe that is corrosive. 
Now, if somebody said, I feel overloaded, um, you know, and I was speaking for themselves, but when they characterize their, their husband in that way, uh, it's dismissive, it's patronizing. And then when other women join in, I think it, it, it I think it's corrosive. Yeah. Yeah, I do too, Bill. That's why I brought it up. And, and uh, so I want to get your perspective. Yeah, and I, I think we're on the, the same page, all of us with that. I feel like that happens quite a bit. And it's kind of tangentially related to this first responders. It's like these first, you know, gripers or something. Yeah, they, they just kind of get together. And then what to say, right? That kind of leaves yeah. me a little tongue tied. It's like, oh, gosh, okay, I want to be humorous. And I, right, you don't want to offend. What, what do I say in that moment? Not to add to that and the corrosive environment, but what do I say? Looks like, well, looking around here, no one's winning the wife award, right? Wife of the year. Yeah, or my daughter has this interesting line that she uses sometimes with friends. I don't know how it would go in a group. I wonder, but yeah, I'll do it with a group. So I wonder what our husbands would say if they were listening oh, in right now. That's good. <laughs> and I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Because it kind of just stops in this track. Yeah, they're just in an awkward situation. Mm -hmm. But, oh, man. Bill, this has been really, really helpful, my friend. Hey, where can listeners uh, find you and learn more about your five-hour uh, Marital Responders Boot Camp and, and other resources? Yeah, so maritalfirstresponders.org. Um, and uh, we have uh, <clears throat> what, we're, uh, what we're launching uh, now. And, by the way, we've done some studies uh, on this. Um, randomized controlled trials to, and, and to, that have demonstrated that people do learn the skills and they, they can demonstrate them, you know, uh, several months out. So we've done, we have reason to believe that the workshop is effective. Uh, and so we're, um, we are uh, in October, October 14th, we're having a, um, a, 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 a workshop in Minnesota, which we're going to record with a, a really good recording crew. Uh, so that it's available online. Uh, and then we are inviting people to come who would like to be trainers. Um, and so that they can take this back to their communities. And the guideline is that this has to be free or for the coffee or the lunch. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, it's a day long workshop. So there's a little bit of expense, uh, but anybody who we register as a trainer, um, has to be willing to say they're they're not going to make money off it. They're going to this is their contribution to their community. Oh man, I love that. We'll we'll put that in our show notes as well as along with um, man your books and resources. If you're listening right now, and this is the first time you've listening. You're missing out. You need to go back and listen to the earlier episodes where we've had Bill Doherty. He's um, one of the nation's experts, as you can tell, listening to to this session. So you've got to go back and listen um, to the others. Bill, as you, as you know, we've had you on a couple of times. Um, what's your takeaway of the day for this? You know, you want these first, these marital first responders. Um, is there something you really want to hammer home and, and make sure that listeners remember? Yeah, it's that uh, our marriages exist in a social set of social relationships, and that and that when people open up to us, it's it's a precious gift they're giving. They're being vulnerable. And that it's good if we're mindful and intentional about how we respond to, to, to not just respond off the cuff, but to think about what is it like to be a friend to this person and friend to their marriage. Oh, that's great. 
Liz, what about you? What's your takeaway of the day from our discussion with Bill? You know what? I love acronyms, right? Doesn't every therapist we all love acronyms? I love LEAP. I'm going to really be thinking about that of the listening, the being empathic, affirming, and keeping a perspective, positive perspective, and challenge where maybe it's required. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'd love to do this workshop. Day, oh, me you? too. Yes, yeah, and it's so needed. Oh, yeah. man, we all need these. But it is. We all, yeah, I think many of us, if not all of us, find ourselves, the numbers say, you know, 73% find ourselves in the role of confidant, and we need to be more confident. What's your takeaway, Dave, from our time with Dr. Bill Doherty you know, I can today? just say the entire thing. I, I love everything Bill, Bill talks about. Look, I, something that stood out, Bill, is when you said, specifically, you said something to the, to the effect of, um, we can have empathy without agreeing with their perspective. I just thought, man, for some reason that hit me even with parent-child relationships, right, with teenagers or something, we can still show compassion and empathy for their situation, even if we don't agree with, with what's going on or choices, but that compassion, empathy, and understanding um, awareness is, is key. And then I love your response, of course, to, the, to kind of that, that griping, that get-together and, and bashing of, of wives or, or husbands. So I appreciate um, that as well. So I just had a thought, too, about the, going the opposite way. So me as a... Uh, needing needing a confidant, right? Needing a friend or fa- friend or family member to turn to. I want to be selective in who I'm going to turn to. I want to make sure that that really is a true friend and that they are a true friend to my husband as well or to the marriage, that they are pro-marriage, that they are going to be supportive. Yeah, so be mindful. I think that's yeah. important to choose, choose, choose wisely. wisely. I love that, Liz. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, Bill, thanks again for coming on, my friend. You're, you're so great to, to come on with us again and, and share so much wisdom and information. Um, And thank you so much to our listeners. And we'll see you next time on another episode of the Stronger Marriage Connection. Yep. And remember, it's the small things that create a stronger marriage connection. Thanks again, Bill. See you next time. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, do us a favor and take a few minutes to subscribe to our podcast and the Utah Marriage Commission YouTube channel where you can watch this and every episode of the show. When you hit the like button and leave a comment, your feedback helps us improve the show. And don't forget to share this episode with a friend. You can also follow and connect with us on Instagram at Stronger Marriage Life and on Facebook at Stronger Marriage. Be sure to share with us what topics you want us to explore or what you loved about today's episode. If you want even more resources to improve your relationship connection, visit our website at strongermarriage.org where you'll find free workshops, webinars, relationship surveys, and more. Each episode of Stronger Marriage Connection is hosted and sponsored by the Utah Marriage Commission at Utah State University. And finally, a big thanks to our producers Rex Polanis and Alexis Alcott and the team at Utah State University. And you, our audience, you make this show possible. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.